Do you know who I am? Of course you do. This is Mick Foley. This is Bully Ray. And you are watching. And you are watching Pro Wrestling. Pro Wrestling. For life. For life. Tune in, or I'll put your ass through a table. Welcome to another edition of Pro Wrestling for Life, everybody. We got a really big show today, and or tonight, depending on when you're listening and watching this. Uh, but Nick Houseman is here to tell us what's on the show. Yes, Sean Xbox Waltman there, uh, my co-host. We have a big show planned today. Not just one, but two big guests here. Uh, AEW went all out this past weekend. We're going all out here today. Right after we finish the news at the top here, we're going to hear from fellow WWE Hall of Famer, Mick Foley, and then after Mick, you're going to hear from another WWE Hall of Famer and Bully Ray. All it's a it's a buffet of Hall of Famers here today, Sean. Yes. So, yeah. um, and yeah. they were both really, really good conversations. Yes, really. And, good. Yeah. yeah. Hope. Uh, I'm looking forward to everybody checking it out. Yeah, for sure. And I try to do a game with Sean and Bully at the end of the Bully uh, interview or conversation, and. Uh, doesn't really go so well. So, you know, that's, that's, dude, the- you have a good track record usually. I, you can't, you, every once in a while, you swing and a miss. This one was not so great, but whatever. Anyway, hey, I tried it. You can stick around to find out what the game is and how it went. That'll be revealed later. But uh, I don't want to waste any time here today, Sean. This is, um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be at some really big uh, live events. Obviously, you've been a part of some really, really big live events. I was there. When Punk came back at Rampage at the United Center just two weeks ago, and I'll I'll say this like I don't know that I've ever felt energy like I felt at the Now Arena when back to back Adam Cole and Brian Danielson came out to close all out. It was just something I've never experienced, and I don't know that I ever will at a wrestling show again. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about it with Mick and Bully as the show goes on. But any any kind of top line takeaways you want to put out there about what you thought of All Out? Anything that stood out to you? Anything like that, Sean? It was a great show. You know, I mean, I, I don't have a lot. To, I, I, you know, we talk about some of the stuff with with uh, with Bubba with Bully Ray. You know, in the, in the conversation that's coming up a little bit later, and you know. Um, yeah, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, uh, you know, Punk and Darby. Like, uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna leave somebody off if, if I just start naming off of stuff because it was a lot of great stuff on the show, Nick. It really was, and you know, we talk about those big debuts at the end, but it was really kind of cool in 2021 to see Christian main eventing all out, like going one on one there uh, with Kenny Omega, and you know. I think that when that match started, the fans kind of got quiet for a second because like we had already seen so much and I think everybody kind of was looking forward to the finish. And I felt bad that, you know, that match kind of got lost in the shuffle because by the end of that main event, I really thought Christian and Kenny had got him. I really thought that they showed themselves like the vets that they are really sold people on that main event. And I just know a lot of, not a lot of people are talking about it today, you know? Well, there was just so much stuff that happened, man. So it's, it's not, it's not surprising, but yeah, those guys, those guys did a great job. The P, like you know, there's only so much energy that people have, right? And and so when they when they're reacting to stuff, you know, throughout the night, man, eventually, like the, you know, the tank gets empty, 
mm-hmm. you know, and and it's like they it's they still had some left in their tank for that match for yeah. Kenny for Kenny and Christian. It yeah. was a hell of a match, man. Yeah, there were a lot of bangers. And like one of the other things we haven't talked about, I know that doesn't come up in the Mick uh, or, or bully conversations is Ruby Soho, really, man. I mean, like yeah. the women, the women, you know, we talk a little bit about their match, I think, with bully. But like for Ruby to get that moment, like after kind of seeing her as just kind of a secondary character in WWE for so long, really, really special, especially since she's kind of so synonymous with the Chicago market. She's been working around here for a long time. And like just to watch her come out and just kind of soak it in and just be her like, uh, like just authentic self, not trying to put on some kind of a, um, you know, she was just soaking it all in Nick. And, and it was cool to see. She looked great. Uh, or like the stuff she was wearing was amazing looking, uh, like appearance. wise, Like she just looked amazing. And, and, um, just really like, how can you not love that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. For Seriously. sure. Yeah. And somebody else that I think uh, really stood out or like, I kind of saw and I was like, man, they've really connected is Eddie Kingston, man. Like, even though he didn't pick up the win against Miro, like it is hard to argue that coming out of this program with Miro, Eddie Kingston didn't get elevated. I mean, the redeemed mm-hmm. nuts line from rampage that went viral. I mean, just, he's really built up a connection with the, with the fans out there. I mean, Eddie Kingston's just, killing it right now and he doesn't he's he's not a guy that i mean everybody knows he's tough right right no 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 doubt about it but if he if he doesn't if he doesn't win it doesn't kill like it's oh he's you know he's damaged goods he could take a loss mm-hmm. he's one of them type of guys um and and still be fine not that you just want to beat guys like that but like you can do something like this uh, have him be on, on the losing end of a feud and still come out ahead. Yeah, same thing with like Chris Statlander working with Britt Baker, that electric chair uh, power slam that she did with both women. Super impressive. You know, uh, you know MJF losing to Chris Jericho. That one I was a little bit more confused about just because they've been building up MJF so, so well. I don't know why he got the loss to Jericho, but even still, I mean, that, that was a fire match. Everybody kind of walked away happy from that one, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway. Lot to take in from from all out. Yeah, and so uh, you know, at at the end when you know all this stuff happened with Adam Cole coming out and like, at first, like I was like, why are they sending uh, Lucha and and Jungle Boy out to fight? like just get their ass kicked? Right. I was like, well, I'm not a big fan of that. And then like everything else played out, and then it all made sense, and it, and it was really nice, you know. Um, with Brian coming out and then they all, you know, run them off or whatever. But at first I was like, Whoa, why are they burying Lucha, Lucha, uh, Luchasaurus? Yeah. Right. Jurassic's. Yeah. yeah. Jurassic Express. Yeah. This episode of pro wrestling for life is sponsored by Roman. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash XPOC now. Yeah, and with Roman, you're going to get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for uh, ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional is going to work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it's going to ship to you free 
with two-day shipping, fast and free, right to your door. That's right. And the whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash XPOC and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Yeah, just like Sean said, go to GetRoman.com slash XPOC now. Get $15 off your first month. And look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. And like we just said, it's GetRoman.com slash XPOC. That's right. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. And thank you, Roman, for sponsoring Pro Wrestling for Life. Hey, what's going on with um uh tell me about um your you got a new comedy tour coming up? Yeah, I well I don't call it a comedy tour. Or uh, you know, your live show. Yeah. You've seen what I do, yeah. Yeah. And basically, going back, first of all, I think we have a new feud going on because uh, we both you and I are simultaneously borrowing from the Ramones. How <laughs> <laughs> can you not, man? It's classic, right? Yeah, I guess you know it was actually Scott did it first, right? It was. I'm Ramon, not sure. Ramon. Yeah, Ramon. Uh, that yeah. was the first one. It's uh, such a great, and it's the only shirt I could bring on the road that uh can rival the uh the wanted shirt and i've tried a lot of shirts along the way and uh, so people really like this just trying to get in a, in the middle of this thing i always have trouble there we go yeah yeah i'm basically I'm, I'm making up all the dates that were on my schedule a year and a half before covid uh-huh. and so i just did two shows uh you know we have to throw in that word sold out if we don't of course. It, it's a disrespect to Ricky and Robert. Uh, so, <laughs> Hang it from know, the Raptors. Sold, they sold every, yeah, that's right. It's, you know what? Going back to Ricky's uh, speech, yeah. Uh, when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, he says, well, who looks like we sold this SOB out. And there were crickets, <laughs> except for like five of us guys. Right. We're like, yeah. No one else even knew what that meant, but... Uh, Hey, they were really entertaining in their Hall of Fame induction speech. Yeah, yeah, they were. They really were. And they said it really it really helped with their indie bookings because those guys, hey, look, just from the start, I'm not here to push the Rock and Roll Express on our time, but right. they are they are a great team. They still put on great indie matches on indie shows. And, uh, you know, it shows the old school stuff really, you know, if you do it right, is still, uh, still effective. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm doing some shows. Uh, I, I'm all throughout the Midwest. We did two, uh, they were sold out shows in Springfield, Missouri. And now we go up to, uh, St. Louis and, uh, Peoria, Illinois. We do four cities in, uh, in Iowa. Um, uh, I think four cities in Indiana. Um, any Minneapolis, uh, not Minneapolis yet. Hmm. We're doing these 22 shows. Um, uh, when I, when COVID hit, I was set to be on the road for 56 straight days. Uh, I worked in, I strategically worked in two days off because I didn't think I could go for 56 straight days. And this time around, I'm like, I don't think I can go for two months. So we kind of divvied it up into one month where I cover the Midwest. Mm. And then uh, in January, I get back out on the road and I cover um, some of the Southwest, a few of the plain states. And if things are going well and I'm enjoying it and people are showing up, you know, we'll just keep adding, uh, tacking on dates. Uh, as we go, uh, is it has 
So, you know, I, I came to your show here in, in LA and yeah. it's great, right? Like, and everybody loves the show, like everywhere you go. Has it, it like, has it changed a little or like, okay. have, it'll have be you updated it? Yeah, it'll be a completely different show than the one you guys saw. That was one of my favorite nights because Nita Strauss played me on. Yeah. And, and Becky, Becky was there. She, yeah, Becky made a surprise appearance and you and Becky joined me for the, uh, Q and A, you know, there's, it's like matches, you know, you try to have your best match every night, but there's some to just stick out. And that was a, that was such an amazing night for me. And hopefully for all you guys, uh, I, I remember about six months ago, I posted a video. Someone took of us just hanging out mm-hmm. backstage and I thought Jimbo, was, my old co-host. Yeah, Jimbo. yeah, that's yeah. right. And I thought that was highly entertaining just to see, you know, the camaraderie yeah. back yeah. there. And that, that was also a, a bizarre night for me because I was joined. It was like I had my favorite oh, actor. Oh, yes. Beverly D'Angelo. Beverly D'Angelo, yeah. Angelo, my favorite old, old, old school adult film star, Kay Parker, was there. Yeah. And my favorite old school, uh, uh, Christy Canyon, was there. Yeah. Kay Parker and, from Taboo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Way, way. way. <laughs> so late 70s. Yeah. The, the natural look, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so it was just super cool. I remember I told a little story about, uh, uh, Beverly and she yelled out in the crowd, I love you, Mick. So it was super surreal for me. Just, just from the get go, having Nita play me out, being a guy who never really had an entrance and all of a sudden have Nita Strauss playing my entrance music. It was, uh, I got chills. I really did. Um, so, but this will be a different, a hundred percent, almost a hundred percent different show. I say almost because every once in a while you lean on a story that, uh, you know, you may have told, and I know comics, usually they 100% disregard everything, but in our case, they're stories. And sometimes I find a, a, an old story fits into a new show, you know, as a bridge to telling that story. So I don't disregard everything. And then of course, it, during the Q and a, if someone wants to know, has a question about the cell or, or right. a couple matches I may have talked about in past shows. I'm not going to disregard that question because I may have talked nice. about it at some point. Hey, Mick, um, like 56 uh, day trip. How many sweat pa- pair of sweatpants? Oh man. Uh, one. Uh, one. I, I am, but I am. <laughs> I, I think it was Roddy Piper. He probably didn't, he probably didn't uh, invent the buy and discard, use and discard theory but it's when you're on the road it's easier you look we're one of the perks of being you know in our business is every couple days someone's bringing you a t-shirt right yeah so you know i've got my core shirts uh you know and now i've got my gimmick shirts so i can buy i can wear them and then say hey this is a shirt i wore and uh get rid of that one and uh you know make your occasional foray to a a a department store for a six pack of underwear and that (laughs) exactly just throw yeah, them away I, when you're done, yeah. But I am going to get on Amazon and order another pair of sweatpants because, yeah, yeah, yeah. fifty. Well, this is a, a you know like a this. I'm on the road for six weeks. Uh, I'm also I got a couple. I have a couple signings, a couple days where I'm going to be hanging out with my kids uh, on a little vacation. So I think uh, I'm going to order up a new pair of sweatpants because no one can go six weeks with the same sweats, right? Oof. I mean. You can try. Yeah, You'll <laughs> smell a little bit, but I mean, that doesn't mean you can't do it. I mean, it's possible. Hey, like, I don't need a side jacket, but one time I remember like we were, we get off the plane and we're like at 
baggage check waiting to get our bags and all of a sudden man, like it was either a pillowcase or a plastic garbage bag comes down the gimmick and <laughs> oh yeah man i didn't look but you pay a price for getting the cheap stuff like this yeah is my, this is my rolling bag which now look at that you go exactly and what yeah time for oh we lost me oh wait he's back dropped in and out the old in with the new yeah <laughs> uh well um my favorite thing that i've still ever seen you do at one of your live shows and maybe it's just because i was a child of that era but when you become mankind on stage it's really something for the audience i mean because we all know you as mick and Kat, but to see you go all the way back to mankind there and become that character really really fun for people to see yeah i really appreciate it you know um I mean, this is not just a plug for my uh, cameo videos Dude, you're the you're the world champion of cameo, dude. I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I, 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 the key is I, you know, I do the different characters, and I've uh, written about twelve songs for birthdays, and uh, and I have and I have fun doing it. I think people could tell I have fun doing it, but because I've been these characters uh, uh, transforming to the characters, I do them pretty quick. It's about a two or three second uh, change time. Uh, one thing is with COVID going around, you know, I've got to stay healthy. So I say, uh, you know, when it comes time to do the, the VIP meet and greet, look, I got some bad news and some good news. I said, bad news. I have to stay healthy. I have to mask up during the, uh, the meet and greet because if I get sick, you know, I say if a WWE guy gets sick then they, they send them home. The show goes on. Yeah. If I get sick, you know, I just, I can't do that to the people rescheduling all these things. So I said, but the good news is you get a bonus photo with mankind. So uh, every night I'm taking the photo as me like this, and then boom, uh, the mask goes on. Uh -huh. So two nights ago, uh, going back to what you were saying, Nick, it wasn't something I planned to do. And it also goes back to what I said about not disregarding something just because I've done it. It just so worked out that the final question lent itself to transforming into that character and I had, and I have. Speaking of the pillowcase, here, yeah, here's. I've still got the yes. pillowcase with me, the mankind thing. And with Kane's help, you know, I, I now I got the hair attached, so no yeah. one wants to see a, you know, a short-haired mankind. Look at Nick. Nick is transforming into a child before our very eyes. I am. I am. I'm geeking out right now. Yeah. I asked the, um, I asked the crowd just close their eyes for a couple days, a couple seconds, and in the same way, I would bend down and come up as mankind. I did it again, but now when you got the mask, it's a whole different thing. So there's a situation where it's with such an effective closer. Where I was like, I might use that as my closer, you know, because it sends everybody home happy. And if two or 3% of the audience says, Hey, didn't he do that before? I'm, I'm willing to go with the 97% approval rating. Well, like, Hey Mick, like some of like, some of the stories are kind of like, you know, our move set, right? Like, it's like they kind of want to hear a couple of the greatest hits. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I know when I go to see a comic, I don't care if they do 100% new stuff, especially if they've got something that kills, you know, and you'll be like, hey, you're going to tell that story about Adventureland? They're like, oh, I wasn't thinking. There's there's an uh, English comic, for example, named Carl Hutchinson. He's not a well-known name, but he opened for me on uh, several shows when I was in the mm -hmm. U.K., and he tells this amazing story about being a teacher in the U.K., and how, how he would get his revenge on the bad students by leaning over a desk 
next to theirs and surreptitiously farting on the bats. <laughs> yeah. Hey, anytime there's a fart, fart involved in, the, in in a story, man, I'm there. Like, <laughs> Especially in the nice English accent. Yeah. Uh, and every time I see him, I'm like, you do the fart story. And so he was on stage one, one second time we worked, second year we worked. Mm. And he was about to wrap it up. And I go, and I'm waiting in the wing. He's like, tell the fart story. And he looks over, he goes, you know, Mick Foley wants me to do more time, you know, not less time, more time. And so if something's really killing and people like hearing it, you know, uh, uh, I, I, always, I always welcome a question, you know, that can bring up a story. Mm -hmm. Like last night I ended up telling a story about uh, uh, me and Vince and uh, my Hall of, 2013 Hall of Fame induction that I originally told in 2013 as part of that show. But, you know, a question came up, we brought it back to life. And, uh, you know, 90% of the crowd has not heard the story anyway. The other 10% is like, oh, that's a good story. That's a good story. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Mick, you obviously are a great storyteller. And, you know, it's always wonderful to talk about your career. Uh, your book, your first book, Have a Nice Day, I read probably when I was too young, for it um and maybe messed with my head and is maybe why we're all talking right now um but you're obviously a great storyteller but you 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 uh you're involved in the in the current uh discussion of the moment mick uh before we connected here today uh you went viral uh for, put, for putting out a video titled wwe we have a problem uh why did you feel like you you wanted to put this video out, Vic? Well, I'm tell you, I, the only deal I have with WWE is a nostalgia contract. Yeah, me too. Deal. They do pay people to be uh, uh, consultants, and if I was being paid to be a consultant, I would say WWE, we've got a problem. And I, I, so I'm, I'm just putting myself in the place of a top tier superstar who has a, a, a decision to make. And I would look at how AEW has uh, treated their uh, recent acquisitions. And I would compare it to how WWE has treated a few of their recent as in development, bringing up to the main roster. And I would say, I don't know if I want to gamble to such an extent that I'm willing to have, you know, everything I've done watered down or made a joke of. And so if somebody is a more intriguing character in NXT than they are in WWE, and it seems almost by design, I think that's a big, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you say that, Mick, like, oh, I'm sorry, Sean, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I just, you know, Mick, like you, I can't imagine like, that you know you you geez i can't believe i'm having a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't done lightly i mean yeah i mean it's you're a w like i'm a wwe guy like I'm, i i love wwe right. I, I felt that it was done with love i really do man. yeah it's not it's done it's it is i'm trying i love the company i really do uh and i think they need to hear that I get, you know, if I just, if I texted Vince and said, geez, you, you know, that's one thing and that might be effective, but I think it needs to get out there. I, I, and if it embarrasses them, I, I think that's okay. But I, like, I look at Keith Lee and look at how dynamic he was. I know Keith said some health problems, but it's like, 
the guy comes out and you don't know that he's got that look like you haven't done enough research to know that he is a big dude and now you want to cover him up you know that's part of his appeal that he's you know loud and proud and and for whatever reason is is incredible uh entrance music is taking look sean you know when you step into that ring in wwe you went you stepped you came in in a, in a you know a really um unique way yeah and, you know, I, I heard, I didn't see the AEW show, but I heard that as a tribute, uh, Punk and Darby did uh, a couple spots. From it was like rest. five five different I, spots. They started the match off. Like, it was it was really cool, man. Yeah. It was yeah. a real, it felt really good to see that. And I know, like, mainly, like, it's a tribute to, you know, Punk's a huge Brett fan. I'm a huge Brett fan. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't necessarily think, oh, it was a tribute to me, but to the match. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, that, that I'm really proud of that match, Nick. It's like you know, my how cool is that? Match was... It's not only holds up, uh, but that people are borrowing from it. That that's amazing, and people uh, recognize the stuff. It was like it was like an Easter egg, right? That you see, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, you know. people caught on. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, but just going back to what we were saying, uh, man. Yeah, I, I like in the case of um, Carrying Cross. That's why I said it, you don't reinvent the wheel. If the guy's got the best entrance, or one of the four or five best entrances in the business, and then you send him out there as a generic guy and he loses in two minutes, you know, people were saying there was one big fan saying this doesn't hurt him, this doesn't affect him. It wasn't an NXT loss, and I'm thinking, dude, you only get one chance to make a first impression, right. you know, and now. Can you dig that guy out of the hole? Yeah, you can, but he shouldn't be in a hole. Why should you can. have to? Yeah. yeah. So I think the AEW pressure is the best thing that could happen to WWE. Because you remember being in WWE when we were in the war, when you guys came over. Yeah. It was a major, major acquisition, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember that first night vividly, right? 98, day after WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, DX, you guys came in, left me and Terry Funk laying, and that laid the groundwork <laughs> for my heel turn. Like, yeah. that was the way, that's the way you premiere somebody. And that's a memorable thing. But in that day, we didn't play ha-ha with people. That's a tribute to Pat Patterson, by the uh-huh, way. Yeah. We didn't play ha-ha with people's characters just for the sake of dragging them down. Like, if you had a hand to play and you were you could play it, they they allowed you to to showcase your best stuff. Yeah. And the idea of going out on the big stage being less than you can be, and the but point I was going to make also is that WWE, <clears throat> you get in that ring, it's two feet bigger, but it might as well be a mile longer. Yeah, <laughs> and I've seen people who seem to shrink because they kind of lose their confidence in their mojo. And once you've lost your confidence in our business, it can be really, really difficult. It doesn't matter how many people pat you on the back, talk to you, tell you yeah. you've got it. You have to believe you've got it. And if you don't believe you've got it, and it comes in part because people are messing with your character, that's that's a problem. Yeah, I can imagine, man, like having that amazing entrance and like all of that and then showing up in your first match you know, on, on the main roster um it's like you're walking out there naked mick <laughs> that's what it's like right yeah that's what it's like that's the problem with a big entrance is once they strip somebody of a big entrance the, the writing's on the wall mm-hmm. uh, cornet like cornet like said something uh when when he first saw that entrance like 
he said it's not smart to like have women or kids or dog like like something to come like just to compete with like and and there's a point to that because um yeah that like it's hard to it's hard to top that entrance and then when you don't have it man uh, yeah, uh, I still don't know why, but uh, you know, I wish the guy well. I've only met Cross yeah. a couple times. Super nice met, guy. Uh, yeah. um, uh, Scarlet a couple times. So uh, I am good, good friends with Keith Lee. You know, just uh, how many people, Mick? Speaking of Keith, since you you brought him, up, man, he has a connection with the people that yeah. very few wrestlers right. have, man. Right. And I don't understand that. Like, take yeah, advantage I, of that. I sent out a tweet uh, after seeing him and uh, Dijakovic uh, uh, on an independent show, saying both these guys, you know, need a look. Uh, need a look. Keith had been through developmental and uh, been let go, which surprised me because, like you said, it's that connection. I haven't seen anybody quite like him, and they just need to let Keith be Keith. Uh, you know, again, they don't let anybody, anyone be themselves. Or it seems we're like going back to Jericho. Jericho kind of put a marker out a couple days ago saying they're not, they weren't ever concerned with the NXT ratings, they're concerned with the raw ratings. So, um, and that's a, that's a bold statement to make. And if you're Vince, you don't want that, you know, that would be seen as a devastating mm-hmm. defeat. I don't want WWE to be defeated in a devastating fashion. I want them to go with their best hand. Going with their best mm-hmm. hands means portraying the characters in their best light. And I just don't think they're doing that lately. Um, can I can I jump in real quick, Sean? Yeah, of course. Yeah, please. Uh, so, like, this is a video you made with love, and I believe that, right? We all want to see WWE yeah. succeed, and people keep working, and and everybody makes money, and we all have fun, and there's no negativity, right? right? So you say WWE has a problem. Like, from your perspective, what do you think is the solution to that problem? Like, what are what are things you would be doing differently right now um, if you were WWE to fix whatever you you perceive right now as kind of a problem? I guess. Well, you know, Jericho also in that talk with a rival uh, wrestling network, I think they did (laughs) bust it open, said, we don't draw, we don't put a line through our, you know, our show an hour before it airs. And if people don't know, that's Vince will do that, you know, and I know he, yeah, he just, and my son is a part of the writing team. I would never be able to handle being on a writing no team. I take a lot of pride in things I write and seeing somebody rip it up in front of me would kind of send me heading for the exits. But you lose your continuity. You know, when you promise people two or three different matches in the next week and then they don't take place and you don't explain why, and then you have another show that does a really good job of telling you what's going to take place next week and they also do a very good job of telling what's taking place on that show even with graphics so you're watching uh the sh- you're watching a match and then you see you they tell you what you were going to see in the upcoming two hours and i think that's really smart so i think uh i know vince thinks he works his best under pressure but uh, you can't have continuity that way i think you need to gather around who you are who your big stars are how you're going to push them. And they do, in some ways, they do an amazing job with a handful of people. I mean, this Roman Reigns thing, the tribal chief, and Paul Heyman's complete and uh, utter (laughs) subservience to him. Mm -hmm. Yes, my tribal chief. 
and and the the, the Brock Lesnar storyline, you know, and even if Paul takes the uh, it takes the call, you know, he doesn't take it in privacy. He takes mm -hmm. it on camera, which is fine. It's wrestling. But even when he tells uh, uh, Roman that he's received a call, he said, I received a call from Brock. Amazing <laughs> 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 character. And I think that stuff, I look at I look at Roman and all the times I was like sticking up for him uh, while the wrestling internet was taking their shots. Yeah. But I was saying what he needed to lose was the quirky uh, facial expressions that turn people off and uh and i didn't know if they could actually go full heel with him but man he has turned in some amazing work and so they do a lot of things well damian priest stuff has been really good yeah the damian priest stuff yeah. is really well uh has been really good so uh but they do i just think they need uh, to pay attention to continuity uh, they need to go back to big picture thinking outside of just the wrestlemania main event and they need to let the talent be as good as it can be. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you brought up your son Dewey working creative there. Um, you know, when Vince was under pressure last time and had to, uh, you know, make changes to, to compete, you know, he became more open-minded. There was, there was Vince Russo, there was Ed Ferrara. They kind of came in and changed it up. Uh, is Dewey the kind Dude, of... that came from us, man. It wasn't fucking... Yeah, a and lot we, of all the boys okay. pressured him. All right, yeah. never mind. We Tell me what happened. Tell me the truth. We had a lot of say. We had a lot of say. And this isn't downplaying what uh, Vince and Ed. No, uh, they did a great job. Yeah, but they did a great job. Uh, but uh, they would bring us ideas, or else we'd bring them ideas. We'd work together on them. You know, I remember uh, uh, Russo being so down uh, the, the day uh, at WrestleMania party because I think uh, I think Sean had browbeat him. <laughs> about, uh, <laughs> not me uh, Sean, others, others Sean. yeah the other Sean Michael, <laughs> about uh, looking weak and then within one night 24 hours DX was stronger than ever so I don't think Russo was uh, you know should have received that browbeat especially at the wrestle post Wrestlemania party right. but it just shows you how entwined you know we were really uh, hands on with our angles, we would talk with each other. We cut, you know, we did promos that felt real because they were real to a large extent. Oh, yeah. and hey, did I, Vince used to call you on like Wednesday and run it, run everything by you? What he was like, not uh, Vince, but Russo. Russo oh, yeah, called oh, me yeah. every week. Yeah, bro, bro, this is gonna be it. And then yeah. I remember him telling me about Europe the clown. You know, we're gonna bring, bro. She's a party clown. I said, is she gonna have the shoes? He's like, bro, she's got the shoes. She's got everything. And so then. You know, the interaction with me and Yerple was 100%. We didn't go with a script. You know, nobody gave us a script. All I knew going in was I've got a birthday party clown. I have The goal is I have to come in happy. Vince has to be relieved. It's me and not Austin. And then my actions have to cause him to throw me out of the room, along with Yerple, the birthday party clown, uh, leaving the opening for Steve Austin to hit him with a bedpan yeah. under the guise of being a doctor. And so, uh, you know, I never I never said, can I bring a sock puppet? Because he surely would have said no. It was just a given that you could try things yeah. in that day and age. But Russo was the idea man. But we, uh, we uh, Russo and Ed, Ed also. Um, and then Tommy Blancha, when he came in, uh, Tommy went on to do a bunch of, you know, writing in Hollywood. Yeah. A real uh, talented guy. Um, 
but we had a lot of, a lot of say in what we did. So is there somebody, so with that hiring, well, before I guess for the next question, so what was it like to work with Vince in that period then? I hear, or Vince McMahon, right? I hear the relationship between y'all and Russo and Ed. How is Vince McMahon involved with creative kind of at that period? At that time, oh, he was super hands-on. Everything had to go through Vince and Vince would hear things and he would tweak them. And then, but you could also argue with Vince yep. if you didn't think it was uh, the, the, we were, we were, felt like we were part of a team and we we're all moving in the, you know, the right direction. And uh, yeah, I th- it was a really, it was a great time. I remember coming a couple of years later and I felt like it had changed. Um, of course, there was fierce competition among the top guys as there should be. And the middle of the card guys, you know, we're not necessarily content to be middle of the card guys. They all want to move up. And because we felt that pressure um, and we knew that stars could be made, they weren't preordained. Like uh, Dwayne Johnson would be a perfect example of a guy, you know, he was pushed. Yeah, he was. It wasn't working. He went back to being, uh, not back, but uh, they made a change where he was uh, just a member of the nation. And then you could see it come alive. And one day when he went third person, he said, uh, the rock. And you saw that character come alive. And uh, like you said, it wasn't, there was no glass ceiling on him. So when that character took off or Steve, Steve wasn't supposed to be a major star to the point where when I, Sean, you would have been in WCW at this time. And I've written about this. So forgive me if anyone's heard it, but uh jimmy miranda came around with uh, the list of uh you know gimmicks uh action figures <laughs> so they had guys you know they had a few guys who and i don't want to knock them who did not go on to be major stars who had every uh check on the list you know it was marked off and it came to me all they had was a t-shirt just one thing a t-shirt Steve Austin came over and said, hey, Miranda, how about a T-shirt for Stone Cold? And Jimmy got kind of flustered. And he was like, I'm sorry, Steve. The office just doesn't see potential in marketing you. Wow. And clearly that changed. But mm-hmm. it like again, it wasn't preordained that Steve Austin is here on the card when his character started showing, you know, getting over on a grassroots level. Uh, WWE, uh, they responded accordingly. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. now that if this was the modern day, he would suffer two or three uh, quick losses and and be back where they thought he should be. So we really had the mankind would be an example of a character that wasn't supposed to hit the heights, uh, you know, that it did or I did. So I going back to them having a problem. I think they need to sit down. I think Vince needs to hear the word no uh, a little more. And uh, he is a force of nature. It's tough to go toe-to-toe with him but even uh, if even if you're right yeah even if you're right but now i just think i wouldn't have put i would not have put that video out if i didn't think that now was the time i did it a few years ago four five five six years ago i think it was when becky lynch and uh sasha had a two-minute match after i'd seen them tear the house down in nxt and i got hot and i and i was like hey look i'm on the verge of i'm 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 about to stop watching the show and I'm a huge wrestling fan. And if I'm on the verge of not watching the show, that means hundreds of thousands of other people are going to feel that same way. Please do something different. And they did. And not necessarily because I did it, but there was a grumbling. And, you know, if you've got these two amazing talents capable of tearing the house down, 
have one of the greatest women's matches of all time and you put them on the flagship show for the first time and give them two minutes, you know, that's, that's a problem. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't intend to be that guy. And I said, when I left WWE as a commissioner, uh, because my son was on the writing team, I know the com- or general manager rather, I know general manager is largely a, you know, it is a, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, it's a fictional position yeah. to some extent. Uh, but I also felt like, you know what, in other ways it was not, you know, I was that representative of the company and I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on saying anything almost like I was a former president, especially because my son was with the, uh, uh, company and I wanted him to be able to grow on his own. But, uh, every once in a while, if I think it needs to be said, I think I owe it to the company to say it. And I have. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mick, uh, something you said in the video um, really caught my attention. And it was, you were talking about tr- the trust that you put in creative. And yeah. back then, man, I'm with you. Like, I, like, I, when I came back in, like, I still had my guard up, right? Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, no one's going to walk over me this time, and you know, whatever. And finally, Vince had to go, hey, man, we know you know how to shoot the gun. Now you can leave it in the holster. But, <laughs> Uh, but I eventually, like, I just, I had faith, man. I, I had a lot of trust in them and they, and they did right by me for a long time. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, man, I, I was with you on that, man. You, you do, you, at, at that time, it was, it was easy to put trust in them. It was, it was easy at that time. And that's the, you know, the point and not to belabor it, but it's not as easy to put your trust, especially when there is a, a really good viable other option so i i would just think in the mindset if you're adam cole you're like you know what nxt is going to be the it's going to be the pinnacle for me as far as my wwe experience i don't think they're going to push a guy of my size uh would any of us be surprised if he dropped two or three matches quickly on the main roster probably not not at all and instead he puts himself in a position where he as he said he has one of the great moments of his life so great that his knees got weak uh and i think you know guys like brian danielson say this is where i want to be this is the competition um i want to be against uh you know i I think i can create that and brian made amazing moments in wwe right one of the biggest stars of generation he feels like he's got more left in his tank and uh so on off he goes. Um, the real, the emotional equity he has with the people, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, can I just get a quick plug in for my oh, yeah. ticket link uh, going around? So was I going to get going here in a second? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I really appreciated talking with you guys. We did a 40-minute talk about a one-minute video. So that was <laughs> Hey, you know what happened? I was at the show during the Q&A. Uh-huh. And the first question is, what do you think of the AEW show last night? And this is kind of telling, all right? I, two nights of sold out shows right uh and it's about a 200 seat venue i come out on uh the first night but there's only about 120 people there and i think some of it had to do with the fact that some of these people made reservations a year and a half ago i think some of it had to do with some people choosing to stay home to watch what they thought was must-see programming because last night i went in and it was packed so the only difference is on one of those days, there was an AEW pay-per-view. So I think that's really telling. If people are foregoing a Foley, live Foley experience to watch a show on PPV, I think uh, that's saying something. 
But the first question was about that show. And I said words to the effect. Uh, I didn't say we, we've got a problem, but I, I brought up a couple of things we discussed. And I said, yeah, I think this is going to be the, you know, the quote of the day. And when I got home, I was like, oh, people are going to pick up on that. As long as they're going to pick up on that, they might as well hear it from me. And so I put it out there, but I don't shy away from questions. And uh, uh, thanks for saying that, that you guys enjoyed it. If people want to see me on the road, go to realmickfoley.com. And if they want one of those uh, uh, cameos, uh, that's cameo.com slash McFoley. And I will exceed your expectations. Hey, so one of the one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, Bubba, and I know you're busy as fuck, man. So I, I hate asking people, especially you're doing busted open all the time. But man, I, I was on Pluto TV and I, I ended up on the Impact channel, and it was uh, the stuff that I was playing was right during that time when you really were dialing it in as Bully Ray. Uh, seriously, man, I hit you up because it was it's one of the best heels I've ever seen. Like in all of like wrestling, any, any era, man. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. And it was more than, it was more than like, okay, obviously you got in shape and you changed, you know, changed like what you were wearing and everything, but it was way more than that. When, you know, kid, when me and um, Devon got to that stage of our careers where we had nothing left to do, we had to kind of, do something different, something new. There were no teams left for us to work with on the planet. Uh, there were no yeah. championships for us to win. Um, so, you know, it, it was kind of a, a nice place to be in where you could sit back and go, okay, we've done it all. Yeah. But then it's like, all right, well, we still got lots of gas in the tank. What do we do now? Devon always wanted to try to do his own thing. He always, uh, you know, he got into this wanting to be a singles wrestler. I knew since the first time I had ever seen the wild Samoans versus like Berea and Martel and the yeah. Strongbows and Fuji and Saito that I wanted to be a tag guy. So I never wanted to be a singles wrestler, but I knew that it was time to do something different. So I had to come up with a, with a name yeah. and I had to do something drastic because, you know, when you're so synonymous with a tag team, very few guys are able to break out of it, yeah. you know, and, and do something on their own. So everybody hates a bully. So I'll just call myself yeah. Bully Ray. I already had a little bit of a reputation that I could fall back <laughs> on with, with perception and reality. Yeah. So I didn't mind the heat at all. And I just, I said, if there's one thing that I can do to get everybody to notice me, like in an instant, is I can cut my promos and get into the best shape of my career. Yeah. You know, you know, as the Dudley boys, as Bubba Ray Dudley, from the day this gimmick started to what it evolved to, we never needed to have, we never needed to look like the Road Warriors. Right. You know, we yeah, just yeah. needed to have a work rate and a great finish. And I'm happy to say that we were able to, you know, to have those things, you know, working with you and, and, and Road Dog, we had some, you know, such fun fantastic, you know, entertaining, great oh, yeah. storytelling, good matches, you know. So this is what I had to do. And I always, I had this vision of what I thought a heel should be at that time in the business. And I was lucky enough to have Eric Bischoff hand me the ball. 
Oh, nice. Like, and, and you know, being friendly uh-huh. with Eric and working for Eric, if, if Eric understands you and you have a good chemistry and relationship with Eric, things can work out. And me and Eric had hit it off from day one. And I'll never forget, you know, the day that he said to me, you know, this is, this is an idea I have for you. Do you think that you could pull it off? And I got to tell you, man, when I heard, you know, when he's like, how do you feel about being the leader of a biker gang? Uh-huh. <laughs> Ah, I was like, oh, man, I don't know about that. Mm. But, you know, I knew he had the vision. I knew he was into the whole Sons of Anarchy thing. Yeah. So yeah. we ran with it and, it, and it worked out. It felt authentic, Bubba. It really did, man. I'm not lying. Nothing was scripted, kid. Nothing. Zero. He never, ever handed me lines. Um, He never told me. He always just gave me a bullet point, and it would be a verbal bullet point. He'd say, Bubba, you know the story. Here's here's something I need you to talk about. Go out there and do it. And, and I was lucky enough at that point in my career where I knew I needed I needed somebody to make me better. I mean, I got the, I had the luxury of working with an AJ Styles. So oh, yeah. in the in the ring. I was able to get better because AJ being as great as AJ was, I felt even though I was the veteran, I had to work up to AJ's level of athleticism and he would have to work up to my level of storytelling. But I needed somebody bigger than me. I needed a name and I got Sting and Hulk Hogan at the same time. So that was like, holy shit, this is an amazing opportunity for me. Every time I went out there with Hulk on the microphone, I leg- mentally I went for his jugular. I, I wanted to just I just wanted to grab him by the throat verbally and just own him because I had that kind of you know I, I was passionate about what I was doing. I had a fire under my ass. And then getting in the ring with Sting, I knew that anything that I dished out, he would be able to bring back. So I got to work up to these levels that I never had an opportunity to do before. And it created for, you know, it created for some good storytelling. And, and I think it was a win-win for everybody, including wrestling fans. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, can, I, can I ask, uh, while we're talking about this, because, like, you had a chance to step away and completely reinvent yourself. And I agree with Sean wholeheartedly. I didn't know that we were going to start with this. But your Bully Ray run was uh, one of my favorite things that I'd seen in wrestling in, in years. You were really great in that role. What's it like for you to get to watch other talents right now, like a Miro getting to go out and reinvent themselves like you did? Like, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talents out there trying to trying to recreate kind of a little bit of the energy you were able to do with that second, you know, uh, chance at, at a wrestling you know, character in life. Nobody knows how to be Miro better than Miro knows how to be Miro. And yeah. nobody knows how to be Bully Ray better than I do. And, the, you know, uh the boys, the guys and the gals who have the luxury of working in an AEW right now or an Impact right now or an NWA right now, Ring of actually any place that's not the WWE right now, they have the luxury of having at least 50% input into what they're going to do out there. And I think they even have more than that, but I'll just call it a 50-50 relationship between creative and the boys um, of how they think they should be, you know, perceived by the fans what they would like to give the fans what they would like to say and kid you know this anytime you get to go out there and be the version of yourself you want to be or you think you should be there's a comfort level up here and it can you can flow out there and you're not worried 
You don't have to worry if you're saying the right words that were written down for you that you know you would never say in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know that if you miss the tackle, drop down, hip toss, arm drag, body slam, that you can improvise and the producer is not going to chew you out because Vince just chewed him out. So, <laughs> man, I've been sent back out to redo my whole match before. Talk about humbling. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it sucked, man. <laughs> I was sent back out once to redo the last minute of a match, and it was one of the hardest pills yeah. I've ever had to swallow <laughs> in the business. Yeah. It, it was actually, I, it was actually, um, he sent Eddie Guerrero and I back out. <laughs> yeah, man. Ooh-wee. <laughs> uh, and you know, Eddie, I mean, Ed, everybody loves Eddie to death, and rightfully so, but Eddie had a temper. So how did he handle that? It wasn't good, man. Like, it, it, you know, man, it hurt his pride or whatever. And, you know, um, Vince just didn't like what we did, man. And he's the boss, and we went out and redid it. it. He liked it. He, he said it was good the second time, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, so, hey, the, the other thing, and we can ask – uh, other stuff on the other side of this, Nick. That's but, fine. Um, yeah, I got it. Yeah, take your time. Um, is I was surprised, man. We had Scott Norton on, one of the greatest arm wrestlers of all time, and and I asked him. I was like, besides yourself, like who would you, you know, rate as the the best arm wrestler you, you've seen, and you know, of, of all the boys in the industry. And you know, I was expecting a rude or maybe a. Because I remember him talking about Big Show at one time, man. It didn't take him half a second to spit your name out. That's that's really cool to hear. Yeah, man. Um, and he said I he have... used to be in Japan, and you'd be working for the other company, and every day he'd go to the gym, your name would already been signed in uh, <laughs> before him. Kid, I'll never forget the turn first time I, I me and Scott crossed pads. Um, it was in Corrigan Hall. And I think we were working for All Japan at the time. And I, I hear this voice billowing through the hallways. Are those fucking Dudleys here? And I was like, and D-Bot's like, who's that? And I'm like, that's Scott Norton. Like you, And he walked into that room. He filled up that doorway. And he was so cool from day one. And, uh, you know, we, we hit it off with him, you know, old school camaraderie, yeah. yada, yada. Um, as far as an arm wrestling is, I mean, they nicknamed him Flash for a reason. When he put that arm on the table, he would flash guys so quick. They didn't know what to do. I mean, tremendous forearm strength, tremendous wrist strength, grip strength, all the things that you need to be a, a world-class arm wrestler. And, one of the you remember a girl from back in the day that I used to be with her name was Fawn. Anyway, her, oh you, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. You you met her a couple times. Anyway, her dad, her dad, his name was Apache Dan Carr, and Apache Dan Carr was a two-time world champion arm wrestler, and he was the inventor of the power grip of professional arm wrestling. He's also the original uh, inventor of the American Gladiators, which oh, is a, really? yeah, an interesting little point. So um, I had picked up a couple of tips from him along the way, and I remember him telling me from day one about Scott Norton and how great he was. And Scott Norton arm wrestled like Cleve Dean, Cleve Dean. John Brzezink. Yeah. And you're talking about the, 
you know, the top of the food chain of arm wrestlers that ever existed. So to have Scott Norton pay me a compliment like that is 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 very humbling, and it's cool to hear. It was cool to hear for me, man. And it just the way he didn't skip a. I mean, it didn't take a, a second for him to to spit that out, man. That was so, cool. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a great guy. I know he just had some surgery, and I know he's doing well. Oh, yeah. So uh, love him to death. Hey, um, oh shit, oh man, I hate that. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, so, um, hey, Bubba, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, they talk about greatest tag teams, GOAT tag teams, and and and, and I look at them like uh, greatest dominating tag guys that were not there and just fucking dominated. And, like, I think of Road Warriors and Steiner Brothers, and you guys are in that conversation easily. Easily, cool. man. Uh, I, I just don't think that, like, man – you especially you know when you left uh Vince and you guys went to all Japan you guys ran that table over there like the road warriors man when it comes listen whenever we talk about who's the greatest of all time in wrestling it's all subjective we know that what really makes anybody the greatest at what they do in wrestling the people thinking that right Sean, if the red light is on and I'm on TV, I will tell you that the Dudleys are the greatest tag team that ever existed. In reality, I will tell you that I'm even ha- I'm just happy that our name is even in the conversation. Right. Because in my eyes, the Road Warriors were the greatest tag team of all time for a very real reason. And that reason is they put asses in seats. Mm-hmm. They drew money. I'll sit here and I'll tell you that me and Devon would go out there and steal the show many a night, but were we the guys that put the ass in the seat? Probably not. The Road Warriors did. And you know that at the end of the day, it's all about business. And when you had a tag team that could draw the same money, if not more, than your world heavyweight champion at the time, that speaks volumes. So when I think of the greatest tag teams, it's the Road Warriors. It's the Midnight Express. It's the Rock and Roll Express. It's the Freebirds. It's the Steiners. Yada, yada, yada. I'm proud that me and Devon never, me and Devon were never supposed to succeed, ever. And I know that's kind of cliche, and a lot of guys say that. We were fucking dorks in a comedy act when you didn't know what to do with somebody in Uh ECW, you made them a Dudley. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You made them a Dudley. But me and Devon had this chemistry and I kind of was feeling it over and over. I said, I think there's something here. And I said to Paul, I said, I think if you put me and him together and give us an opportunity, we can, we can do something. Mm. And, and that was it. He said, okay, fine. You're together as of tonight. And we, we went out there and the very first thing that, I mean, I knew we needed a finish. I said, if we have a finish, that we can hit out of nowhere at any time on anybody will yeah. be 50% there. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a great career hall of fame, all this yeah. happy horse shit, blah, blah, blah. I'm just glad that we can even still talk about, you know, great tag teams. And my, if my name is mentioned in the conversation, I'm like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. It feels good. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey man, how's your body feeling? Awesome. It seems like it, right? Like, awesome. you, yeah, the way you walk, like your posture awesome. and everything. Yeah, I, I, I feel great. I just turned 50. I, I, I 
I feel great. I no no yes, aches and pains and all the other stuff yeah. that comes with the territory, but nothing major. Um if you're smart about the bumps you take, you bump correctly, yada yada, you know, you'll you'll be as good as we possibly could be at this sure. stage of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, and you keep it you, you it seems like you're keeping in shape, so that helps. Yeah. You gonna yeah. get back in the ring at all? Uh I will only go back if there's the right story mm. to tell. Yeah. I I have no desire to wrestle for the sake of wrestling. There is something out there that I think could be a big deal, but the planets have to line up for it to really happen. I'm not one of those guys that desires to wrestle every week. I'm a storyteller. That's that's what I pride myself on and that's what I know I'm good at and I know I'm good at the bigger match, the 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 money making match, the the blow off match. And uh, that's what I, that's what really intrigues me and gets my blood, you know, blood boiling. Yeah. Hey, Bubba, I don't know if you, uh, probably not you'd really think about, but, you know, uh, my very last match in the WWE was in the ring with you and that like eight man or that 10 man when Kev Blue is quad. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my last WWE match. Yeah. So it was, we, Kid, I, re- <laughs> I remember that. We pulled like- that together, huh? Like. A lot wow. of that was you, man. I don't like you. Uh, you you really pulled it together in there, man. We 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 you know because it was like, oh fuck, man, what do we do now? <laughs> I, I remember Kev getting the hot tag. Yeah, and he comes in and he dropped who was ever in the ring, and then he was coming to blast me off the apron, and here he comes, and boom, he just went down, and I knew something was up. I dropped right off the apron, and I knew I just had to get him out of there. You know, at least just get him to safety so he wouldn't, you know, be any more injured than what he was. And then we kind of got back in there and we pieced it together and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it worked. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Um, I feel really, I, I, I swear to God, I feel really bad about this, man. Um, you know, I came back to, to and did that thing TNA with Scott and Kev and we were supposed to have that match with you. And... You got like you specifically put me over in in the match on TV to build for this pay per view, and then I like uh, test positive for Hep C, and they and take me out, and like so we never, I never got to return the favor. And I know that old, that. Tri- I know that old trick. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get Hep C, so I don't have to do the job for you. <laughs> oh, oh, brother, I got Hep C, brother. I can't make it. I'll get yeah. you on the next shot. <laughs> All right, Nick. That's all this you want to hop in here. Look, I'm not. You, this, look, he's saying it at the time because, like, I have, I have, like, it's a big weekend, right, Bully? Yeah. I mean, you, you do punditing all the time, busted over the radio. I had the privilege of getting next to sit next to Dave LaGreca during the show, and his wife was wonderful. But what do you, dude, for you, is this as big of a shift and change in energy as a lot of people are making it out to be right now? How does this feel to you right now where we're at? with AEW and WWE? I think these companies are going in two completely different directions. One company is a traditional pro wrestling company. The other one is a very much week by week coming, be more and more sports entertainment, you know, as we speak. Um, AEW is as close to competition as the WWE has had in forever. But I don't think the WWE is looking to get into a fight with these guys 
because we've already seen a little skirmish and how it ended up. Perception-wise, AEW has the energy and the enthusiasm of the, of the pro wrestling fan base because they are giving fans everything that these fan, fans feel that they're not getting from the WWE. Me and Kid were lucky enough to be there when the WWE gave the fans yeah. everything that they wanted. And I'll be damned, Kid, I'm a fucking huge DX mark. I love the group because the group dripped with attitude and energy and piss and vinegar. And there was every everything about it. And when you look back in history and you go, okay, this worked and this worked and this worked, why don't we just kind of try to repackage it and do it again? And what I am seeing is Tony Khan and AEW have looked back and went, okay, this worked in ECW. This worked in the Attitude Era. This worked in WCW. I'm going to put it all together in a big bowl, call it AEW, and I'm going to pour it out there for the wrestling fans, you know, to enjoy. I think we're getting the best. Yeah. I think we're getting the best of all these other companies because Tony was a huge fan. I mean, as a 12-year-old kid, he's sitting in the third row of the ECW arena. What what he he got to experience a real wrestling revolution live. It happened. His eyes saw it. His ears heard it. Yeah. He knows what it feels like, that groundswell. And then being a fan all of his life and knowing what, what worked or what didn't work. And they're, they're working out the kinks. They're tightening their screws. Listen, we can sit here and we can point out the little problems they have. Mm-hmm. They really don't follow their rules at times. There's, they, they, the refs need more credibility. It can get spotty at times, but you know what? They'll eventually get through this stuff. That's what and I try to tell them people. Yeah, they'll, they'll work through it. What, yeah. what I think a lot of the younger talent need to do there is just, just listen a little bit to what the Billy Guns have to say. Just listen a little mm-hmm. bit to what the Dean Malenkos have to say. Listen a little bit to what the Jerry Lynns have to say, because nobody, including myself, I will never tell a talent to not do something. If you want to do a reverse 450 acai moonsault with a twist and a cherry on top, go and do it. Just make sure you're doing it at the right time for the right reason. You got to make sense of everything that you do. And that's when psychology and athleticism come together. So I think that AEW has a bright future. Yeah. I think that the things where, like you're just talking about, things, a lot of that stuff will work out, work itself out with, with, with the talent, like as, as they, you know, um, you know, trial and error and just figuring things out. And um, uh, I think that, man, the, the, the energy and that new car smell and all of that, like, I think it, it compensates for a lot of that, man. I think people are, are willing to overlook some of that shit, uh, like because they just they see what's being put into that, man, and they see that 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 they're cared about, that what they want, like you know what I mean, like yeah, fan service. Fuck. <laughs> you know, kid, I was a part of a company that was the original groundswell. I know a lot of people like to look back on ECW and some people take shots at it 
But anybody that was there or actually has a brain can appreciate what ECW brought to the table. And I see AEW doing that also. A ECW had a very close relationship with its fan base. AEW has a very close relationship with its fan base. The fans in AEW feel like they're the 12th man on the field. Yeah. They feel like they're as much of a part of that show as the talent is. Each city wants to be louder than the next city. You know, each city wants to prove that they're more of an AEW diehard than the other. And when you have that kind of trickle-down effect, it's only going to make for a better show, a better yeah. live experience, a better TV show. The talent's going to work harder. It's a win-win across the board. Yeah. I mean, let me ask you your opinion. Uh -huh. What do you see in the what? If you had, if, if you were talking to Tony Khan right now, and you said, "Tony, you have to fix one thing right now," what would you tell him? Ooh, I could. I honestly, Bubba, I don't know, man. Like, I like, like, I don't know if I'd want to put my like, you know, tink tinker with anything, man. Like, okay, it's just, Fair yeah. I mean, like, not that there's obviously some things like, you know, the, the rep, rep and the tag matches, things like we were just talking about. But, man, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, hey, you know, while we're, while we're talking about what they're doing, uh, there was a really banger tag match, uh, Lucha Brothers, uh, Young Bucks. What, what, what did you think of, of what they did out there, Bully? I thought it was one of the greatest spot fest tag team matches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, man. That's and when I say and when I say spot fest, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in an accurate way because they did a shitload of spots. Yeah. It was move after move, spot after spot. But you know what? Sometimes on the card, there there's a need for matches mm -hmm. just like that. Every once in a while, we can take the psychology of a traditional tag team match, throw it out the door. Go Buck Wild, yeah. and and get what we got from the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Now, I did, okay, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, get kid. No, I was just saying, like I I thought that they did a uh, a good job of like the stuff in between the moves, the selling the facials and stuff like that. And I like I thought they shot it good. Like so, yeah, it was like the it wasn't the traditional psychology of a tag match like you and I are, you know, mm -hmm. like we like. But I, yeah, man, it was entertaining as fuck. I, it, it was the people; they loved it, right? I guess you know it was. It was hard, man. It was. It took. It took some of the. Uh, it took some of the oxygen out of the building for the next few matches, didn't it? Uh, you know, I talked about this on Busted Open. Um, you know, with a match like that, you as a booker, Tony has to be very careful about what follows. Yeah. a match like that. Because a match like that is kind of like having great sex. You need a cigarette. You need a cigarette afterwards. Yeah. You yeah. know. So um, I thought the girls gauntlet battle royal did a good job of keeping the people at at close to the same level. Mm -hmm. it, there definitely wasn't a tremendous drop off. And these are the things that I try to you know listen for during the match. So I thought the women did well. You know. And getting back to the tag match, like we were saying. I think they did a great job of registering. I think they did a great job of selling. I would just see there are things that happen that I see that sometimes I just can't wrap my head around. Like <laughs> if you take a Canadian destroyer off the top rope, you probably should be dead. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. 
got to, you don't got to fucking do much more than that to beat me. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, you know what's funny? It's like as you, as you get older, you know, like like if me and you were in the match and somebody said to us, "All right, man, it's your time to be out of the match. What what should I take you out with?" What's your finish? <laughs> Well, you know what? Give me Tuck your good, head. <laughs> Clothesline. I'll just lay there. I'll be fine. Hey, hey, Nick. You know about hey the Scott Hall? Dude, took was it? What did he say to you? Took your head. <laughs> he got me so good. <laughs> he got me so good. Uh, we were in in L.A. at the Staples Center. It's probably around I don't know 2002, Two? 2003. Yeah. And, and and Scott and Kev come in. And I went up to introduce myself to Scott because we hadn't met in ECW, but I don't think he remembered. So I went up and I introduced myself. Scott turned around. He's like, hey, brother, how you doing? Heard so many great things about you. Can't wait to take your finish. One, two, kick out. And I got so <laughs> And he saw me getting mad. And he was like, I got you. And I was like, yep, you got me. Damn. Wow. Uh, hey, man, uh, thank you, Bubba, for taking yeah, the time, absolutely. man. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, I, this I is have, fun. I have, I have a little game uh, real quick if, if you guys would like to play it. So uh, uh, it's this game that I came up with. It's called Book It. Um, so obviously fans love fantasy booking, right? But you guys are two of the best to ever be in the ring. So I thought it'd be fun to maybe give you guys two wrestlers to see how you would book it for a match that, that people are kind of excited to see. So uh, do, would you guys mind playing Book It here on the show right now? Sure. <laughs> Dead silence. Dead silence. Okay, wonderful. Better be we'll, good, Nick. We'll start with – well, we'll see. I mean, it's on, it's on you guys here to make it good. We'll start with Sean, right, and then we'll let Bully close here so you'll have a second to think. And uh, so, Sean, it's, I'm going to keep it simple here. People want to see Roman Reigns versus The Rock, right? How do you get to that? How would you book – uh, to to Roman Reigns versus The Rock. I'll let you go second, Bully. Oh come on, man! <laughs> Is this too hard, Bully? Do you want to go first? Yeah, do you have absolutely. ideas? All right, Bully, yeah, you want to go first? It, to me, it's it's pretty easy. It's all about family and being the head of the table. So if Roman Reigns sits at the head of the table and is the most accomplished and most successful Samoan that has ever stepped foot in a WWE ring, there's only one Samoan out there that can challenge him for that label, that moniker, that title. And that's The Rock. And The Rock has to come back in and humble Roman and remind him where he came from. And then Roman needs to beat Rocky in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. In the first one, or uh, you think they do too? If well, um, Just the one. one. I, I, I don't know what Rocky has, like, I, I think getting just the one out of Rock is, is a big deal. And they'll probably yeah. say, Listen, they got 101,000 seats to sell at AT&T Stadium, you know, for WrestleMania yeah. next year. So if that's your one, I, I guess you got to do it unless you're going to save it for L.A. the following year. But who knows, you know, where we're going to be by then. Nope. You know, Rocky with his career, hopefully everybody's still, um, you know, healthy. But to me, the story is pretty easy because it's all about family. And the packages that you put together start with the high chief Pete Maivia and they, you know, you just run the gamut of every Samoan that's ever come through the WWE and had a modicum of success, and you end up with Roman and Rock. Nice. 
Sean, Sean, do you have any counter? Would you change I don't, it? dude. Honestly, no. Yeah, you know I'm not good at that kind of shit anyways. <laughs> well, hey, I thought I'd try it out here. I'm trying to think we're outside the box. I mean, put me on the spot like that. I mean, I, I can come up with good ideas, but it's not like <laughs> It really was. If you're For those in audio form, it was like deer in the headlights and Sean crapped his pants a little bit there. I, I shouldn't have put him on the spot like that. That's how I right, yeah, enjoyed it, though. Um, All right. Hey, yeah, that's the end of the game. That was Book It. Maybe we'll play this one again. Probably sometime. not. You don't like that one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a one Nick, Nick usually has really good games. <laughs> I thought I was like, well, let's lead into the fantasy booking stuff here. We're gonna have you and Bully together. Hey. Why not? All right. Hey, I thought well, it was. Look, good. Hey, man. Um, let's let Bubba go about his day. <laughs> he spent <laughs> a half an hour with us already. Bully, <laughs> thank, thank you. We're, what do you want to plug promote put over here? Do you think you want to tell people to go support you with? Nah. <laughs> Listen to us on Busted Open every day, yes. Monday through Monday through Saturday from nine a.m. to noon. Uh. You know, we have a, we have a lot of fun on the show. The show's doing well. It's uh, great, it's doing I, great. I, I, I'm sure. proud. I'm proud that we have an honest pro wrestling show that calls it down the middle and doesn't show any type of favoritism to any company. It's uh, you do, man. You really do. And you got people you. on for, and you have people like you, you have people on from WWE sometimes, AEW sometimes, and I like the fact that you know WWE like doesn't get hot about it, right? Like they're not. I mean, they they still just no. They're still giving. Guests. We have a really good working good. relationship with the WWE, with AEW, with all the companies, and 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 most wrestlers know that they can call us at any time. Like, if you have something you want to promote and you get in touch, and you go, Bubba, can I hop on Busted Open? I'm like, absolutely. It's like a home for the boys, and it's a home for the fans. You know, it, it it's a place where everybody in this wrestling community can can come together for honest pro wrestling talk. Not what's going on backstage, not dirt sheet bull crap, not, you know, no spoilers. It's like we'll all watch wrestling together. We'll all talk about it together. And maybe we can even make it a little better together. And that's what we yeah. try to do. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode of Pro Wrestling for Life. Uh, really want to thank Bully Ray and Mick Foley for taking the time. Like, I mean, each of them, each of them gave us like over a half an hour of their time. Oh, really yeah. grateful. Um, and who am I missing? That's it. It was just you, Mick, Bully, and me. And honestly, I'm the odd man out in this four horsemen right now. Uh, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you like the show, we're at Pro Rest for Life on pretty much all the social channels right now. Uh, and of course, if you like the show, the best thing uh, that you could do to really support it, help us find new fans, head over to our iTunes page, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, leave a five-star rating. Uh, you guys have been great about that. We're on the road to 1,000 reviews over on the iTunes page. If you can help us hit us uh, hit that by the end of the year, that would be awesome. And that's all I got for today, Sean. All right. Well, see you all next week. Bye, everybody.